Hi, and welcome to the East Cobb Presbyterian Church Student Ministry Podcast, where all lessons from your junior high leaders, youth staff members, and discipleship group leaders are available. We pray that this podcast will bless you and grow you in your knowledge and love of Jesus. Keep listening for this week's message. We will get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have tonight to open your word and look at it and learn from it and connect with you. God, I pray that you will please speak to all of us tonight. Lord, that you will help us to listen, to be attentive to your voice. I pray that you will convict and encourage, comfort, strengthen us so that we can know and love you better and just be in a deeper fellowship with you, God. Lord, I pray that tonight you will please speak through me. I know that I have nothing good to say if it doesn't come from you. So I, pl- I pray that you will please help me to speak truth through your Holy Spirit, that you will give uh, me the wisdom, and ultimately, Lord, that it will just be you speaking through me. I pray as we talk about repentance tonight in Psalm 51 that you will help all of us to have repentant, contrite, humble hearts before you. Lord, we we praise you for your amazing love and the fact that we can repent and come to you and you offer an abundance of forgiveness more than we could imagine. Lord, so please bless this time tonight. Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so this is a second to last youth group, and usually the last few youth groups we do just like a standalone lesson that's not a part of a series. And so tonight, I feel like God laid it on my heart to talk through Psalm 51. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Psalm 51, but this is a passage of scripture that David wrote. Um, Before I get into too much background, though, we're just going to read all of Psalm 51. So the title of tonight's talk is True Repentance. We're going to look at what true repentance is. So I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to work through it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, 
and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Sorry. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So before we dig into this, a little bit of background. So David wrote Psalm 51. He wrote many Psalms in the Bible. Does anyone, can anyone just shout out some of the main facts about David, like main events that happened in David's life that you know from reading the Old Testament? David, David, not Daniel. Mary Lee, is your hand? Oh, Sophia? Yeah, he was made king. Yeah, that's a big one. Marilee? He killed Goliath. He killed Goliath. Yep, everyone knows that. That's a very famous story. Kristen? Yes. So Kristen said he committed adultery. That is the part of David's life that is not the exciting, good part of what he did. But it's a very big part, and it's what led to writing Psalm 51. So Psalm 51 is actually written, I found this out today as I was uh, researching, it's actually written a year after David committed adultery and killed the husband of Bathsheba, Uriah. Now, I, I don't know if that means he was unrepentant that entire year. I don't know how much we can speculate, but this psalm was written a year after. And this psalm was written when Nathan, the prophet, came to David and confronted him for his sin. So David was an amazing man. He was called a man after God's own heart. He did a lot of really cool things. But David had some major character flaws, major, major sins. But the amazing thing is that he is called a man after God's own heart. And that is in large part due to the way he handled his sin and the humility of his repentance. And that's what I want us to see tonight is the progression of this psalm and what does true repentance look like? Repentance, repent, is a word that you hear a lot in church. And a lot of times it's used in, people say it just means to go a different direction and to turn around and to stop what you're doing and do something different. And while there's truth, absolutely, to that, there's truth to it means turning around, going the other way. I want us to see tonight that it is a heart issue primarily and it leads to the outward actions but repentance is a matter of the heart and that's really good news for us and and i'll explain why so the three main points i want us to see tonight is that one true repentance exhibits brokenness true repentance exhibits brokenness two that true repentance takes us deeper into the heart 
and we'll get to what that means a little bit later. And then three, that true repentance is directed toward God and works itself outward. So one, true repentance exhibits brokenness. So what we can see from the beginning of this psalm, the first thing that David is doing is pleading for mercy from God. He's going to God. David knows that he cannot forgive himself. He doesn't have the power to do that. He is overtaken by the blood on his hands. Literally, he is murdered and he has committed adultery. And all he can do is cry out to God. So from the beginning, we see David pleading on the basis of God's character. David doesn't say, I'm a good person. I did more good than bad, so God, you can forgive me. No, he is completely admitting his sin and just crying out, God, have mercy on me. He knows that his only hope from healing and for healing from his sin is God. And he can't be forgiven apart from God. So David is searching for forgiveness solely from God. And Vadi Bakum, who used to be a pastor, speaker, and all writes books, uh, he has a sermon on this. And he said that David understands that what he has done, the sin he has committed, has scarred and stained him. And the way that we can see this is the verbs that he uses in the beginning. So when David says, blot out my transgressions, that's the same Hebrew word. This is really interesting. This is the same Hebrew word used for the flood when God sends the flood on the earth to blot out all the sin of humankind because he sees that there's wickedness. Every person is wicked and he gets Noah to build the ark. It's the same verb. So that's obviously showing that David's taking his sin seriously. He is asking God to blot it out. He's seeking God to do that because he knows he cannot atone for his own sin. So he's crying out that God will blot it out. He gets that his sin has scarred him. And it is going to require something that extreme. It's going to require God to touch him, to forgive him. This shows that David is aware that Sin is an affront to a holy, perfect God and that he has nothing in himself to make it better. But what I want us to see here is that brokenness is the proper response to our sin because sin is a slap in the face to God. So to be broken over our sin is a good thing. And to be broken over our sin is actually a pathway to receiving God's mercy and God's help and God's forgiveness. But we live in a culture that values comfort and values feeling good, that says don't say something that's going to offend this other person about the way they live. The thought that brokenness is a good thing is not something that the culture teaches, but it's something the Bible, it's throughout the entire Bible. We see it everywhere. We see that Jesus says the last shall be first. We see that Jesus says that those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus loves humility. He was gentle and lowly in heart and humble. And one of the most beautiful stories that depicts this is the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18, where they both went up to the temple to pray. The Pharisee said, God, thank you. I'm not like this guy. I do all these things I should do. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm obedient. 
But the tax collector knew how sinful he was. And all he did, it says he beat his breast and cried out to heaven and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God had favor on that man who saw his sin and cried out to God. Not the man who pretended like he was perfect and tried to have it all together before God. But the man that knew he couldn't. So that's what I want us to see first and foremost is that true repentance exhibits brokenness. But brokenness is a good thing. Second, I want us to see that true repentance takes us deeper into the heart. And one time John Calvin, commenting on repentance, said that it is an inward matter which has its seat in the heart and the soul. I really like that quote, that repentance is an inward matter. It has its seat in the heart and soul. And a great place that we see this is in Joel, one of the minor prophets, Joel chapter 2. Just listen to these words, and they're very, very powerful. It says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. With all your heart. He doesn't just say return to me physically. He says return to me with all your heart. With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your hearts, not your garments. Does anyone know what the word rend means? I want to take a stab at what rend might mean. Abby? Kind of. I mean, so that's, you're on the right path. It means like tear in two. So, so instead of tearing their garments in two like they would when they would mourn, God's saying, rend your heart and not your garment. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. So God's giving them calling them to come to him by saying he's gracious and merciful. Oftentimes we, when as, if, if you are a Christian in this room and you sin, a lot of times it can be very tempting to not want to turn to God immediately in our sin, either because there are multiple reasons, but oftentimes we think, God's so mad at me, I did this again, I did this again. But when God, God wants your heart and he wants you to turn to him, he wants that. He doesn't want you to keep running away. He wants you to come right to him, and he's your father. So he cares, and he's, he will always be more gentle than we anticipate when we come to him. He just wants us to come to him, and it's our heart that needs to come to him. Repentance is a heart matter because sin is a heart matter. That's why. But it does turn to an outward change of behavior. So sin is not just the things that you do outwardly. It's not just, I gossiped about someone. Okay, I'm going to say, God, please forgive me for gossiping. But what, it, what true repentance looks like in this moment is asking God, God, show me the reason that I was gossiping. What is the heart behind this? Because all sin is really not loving God as we should. It's not having our affections on God. It's not really trusting what he says is best, and it's turning to to serve idols and other things in the place of him. It, it has its seat in the heart. And I can think of an example literally this weekend in my own life. I was hanging out with a group of friends, and I made this joke, and after I said it, I was like, oh gosh, that was like not a good, I should not have said that. It was like, that was not good at all. It, it sounded really, it could have been taken very unkindly about 
not about someone, but it was just not a good, it was not good. And I realized, I was like, I was not, I was not thinking when I said that. And so we're going through repenting, instead of just saying, God, forgive me for saying that joke. Actually, I could say, God, please forgive me for saying that joke. The reason that I did it is because in the moment, I was trying to get approval. I was trying, that's what my heart wanted. My heart wasn't believing that you love me or that I don't have to have people like me or think I'm funny. My heart was that I wanted attention from other people. That's what that repentance of the heart looks like. It's asking God to show us why are we doing what we're doing. Not just asking God, forgive me for these outward things, but God, show me my heart and help my heart be in the right place with you because this this is more of a heart issue than anything. That's why scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart, that's what's going to come out. That's where you're going to, your words portray what's really going on in here. And we see that David in this psalm looks to the very, back to the very beginning. He is so broken over what he has done that he is going so far and saying, you in sin, I was conceived. He's looking back to when he was born and seeing how sin has affected him. That's how much he's truly repenting before God and seeing how far back this sin has run. So what we need to see is that God wants our heart. He wants our heart softened towards him. He wants repentance from the heart. And thirdly, we need to see that true repentance is directed toward God and works itself outward. So as I previously mentioned, the psalm started out with God, with begging God for mercy. David is pleading on the basis of God's character because he knows God is merciful and God is gracious. So he's crying out to mercy. And a beautiful, beautiful part of this passage in verse 10, that is a famous verse that says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. When you look at the term create, it's the same word used in Genesis 1.1. And what that means is that David is so aware that his heart has to be changed. His heart has to be changed, but he can't do that. And he knows that. So he's literally using the the word for create in Genesis to get God to do that in his own heart. Something I read from a devotional said, David acknowledges that we are indebted entirely to the grace of God, both for our first regeneration, which means when God changed our heart, became believers, and in the event of our falling. From first to last, the Christian life is a matter of grace. Grace initiates our salvation, it sustains our salvation, and it will complete our salvation. And a note from my study Bible said that David knows that the redirection of his desires and thoughts can come about only through the intervention of God. So David is begging God to create in him a clean heart. David isn't saying, all right, I did these things. Okay, I'm going to hurry up and get my life together and do all this good to outweigh the bad, and then God will be happy with me. No, he comes knowing he is a sinner. But the beautiful thing that we have to remember in this is that is where the hope is. Because those are the people that Jesus came for. Jesus said he came not to call the healthy, but the sick. It's the sick who need a physician. So if you don't know Jesus and you feel like you are too far gone or aren't good enough, 
to know Jesus, that's exactly where he wants you, honestly, to be in a place of desperation, to know that you have to cry out to him. And if you do know Jesus and you feel like you keep falling into the same sin, you have to, to remember that Jesus came for sinners and he wants your heart and he wants you to come to him, not when you get it together, but in the moment of your sin. And that's why Martin Luther said that all of our lives as Christians are to be characterized by continual repentance. That's the Christian life. It's continually coming before God, confessing our sin and asking for his help and depending completely on him. And we see that David knows his sin. He turns, he turns this repentance toward God and he sees that his sin is ultimately against God. In verse 4 when he says, against you, you only have I sinned, we might think that's kind of weird. Why is he saying that? Because he obviously killed one and he obviously committed adultery. So why is he saying that? He's saying that because he knows that God is the one he is ultimately sinned against. God is the one who made these people he sinned against as well. So God is the one that he should direct his repentance first and foremost to. We have to know, though, that understanding true repentance will turn us upward, will turn us to the face of God. When we understand God's forgiveness, we will also turn outward to help others. And that's what David is saying. He'll start helping other people. I'll teach transgressors your ways. I'll, I'll praise your name. When David receives this forgiveness, he can't hold it in, but he's giving it out to other people and sharing with other people what it means. We can't sit and mope in our sin because that actually is sinful to do. Sometimes it feels like that's the holy, righteous thing. I'm just going to beat myself up and think about how bad I am. Actually, that's not trusting God. I heard a wise person say that the extent to which we feel guilt in our Christian life is probably the extent to which we don't understand the gospel. And that was a very convicting statement. Not that we shouldn't feel remorse or sorrow or brokenness of our sin. A hundred percent we should. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are a Christian, there is no guilt anymore because Christ paid for it. So the true repentance looks up to the Lord, looks up to God, and gives out to other people. So I'm going to pray. And then I will explain what we're going to do next. Dear Lord, thank you for this amazing opportunity to open your word and see what true repentance is and see the beauty that you paid it all, Jesus, on the cross, that we can come to you in our sin. You want us to come to you and you came for people like us. Thank you for the humility you showed by dying for us and help us live in this humility. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Um, Y'all, actually, one second.